Wait, is this the right part? Hmm. <laughs> I think so. Let me skip it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think this is it. This is the new Elwood City Limits theme. Oh. R- ringing any bells here? Will, do you ever wonder why? Uh, do you wonder why they build... Uh, do, no, excuse me. Do you, do you ever see in your dreams? Wait. Okay. The castle's in the sky. Mm, that sounds kind of familiar. Have you ever asked me why? Oh, here it comes. <laughs> not a not a big uh, Eurobeat guy, huh? Wait. Oh, here's the drops coming. Tell me why they build castles in the sky. Oh, I kind of, yeah. I kind of like it. It's, it's that's because it's, it's a banger. What is it? It's Castles in the Sky, Radio Mix, baby. Castles in the Sky. It yeah. sounds kind of familiar. Marsha, Ivan Van Dahl. I don't know. I don't know who originally made the song Castles in the Sky, but I know it's like, it's probably in a DDR game. That's it's, oh, that's nice. that's what kind of genre of music that is. Is like DDR, you know, Boom Boom Dollar, Doctor Jones. You know, Eurobeat, one of the greatest uh, uh, gifts that um, have ever come out of Europe. I stumbled I upon. I mean, if if we want to just play some Eurobeat, um, I stumbled upon a really good one. Um, no, the will the rule is we're only allowed to play Eurobeat when it's named after the episode of Arthur we're watching. No, I'm just kidding. What, what were we gonna say? Oh, Someone that's what. Oh, <laughs> God, that took me forever. Okay. <laughs> Very well, then I'll save it for another time. <laughs> Whenever we watch the uh, an Arthur episode called Deja Vu or Gas, Gas, Gas. Or Sandstorm. Yeah, Sandstorm. Next time we watch an Arthur episode called Rhythm is a Dancer, <laughs> uh, we, we can re- we can return to the, to the Eurobeat segment. Uh, but luckily this week we're talking about Castles in the Sky here on Elwood City Limits. The episodic Arthur podcast. Hey, there hey, it is. Hey, we're back. Welcome, everybody. It's 2020, and it's time for a new season of Elwood City Limits. My name's Will Young, and uh, Mr. Castles in the Sky over there, that's Lucas Mancini. That's right. DJ. Um, oh. Uh, uh, yeah, DJ O on the ones and twos. That's oh, me. DJ O's not bad. DJ O, it's like the big O. Do you remember the big O? I never watched the big O. Sorry. Oh, you would love. Will, this is something I would say, I don't, you know, I don't try and recommend anime willy-nilly, but as someone, mm-hmm. I, I I know you have a fondness for Batman the Animated Series. I love Batman the Animated Series. Uh, I feel like all you, don't do it right now, but okay. when you have some free time, look up yep. big the Big O opening, and okay. you'll immediately be like, ooh, maybe this is something I should check out. I'm going to put that on the old watch later list. Yeah. Thank you. Always appreciate that. All right, everybody, welcome back. It is indeed a new year, a new decade, and it's time for new episodes of Arthur. Like, really, really new. Uh, these I've never seen before well, in my life. Not, not really, really new. We're still, we're still not into the Flash era. No, but it's new to me. This is mm. uncharted territory, as I'm fond of saying about season nine of Arthur. And I've got, uh, I've got a couple of. 
things to tell you about season nine. We've got a lot to talk about in terms of you know what's new with Arthur. Uh, going into this brand new season, but of course it's been a while, and there's been a couple of a couple of emails that have been uh, uh, left around from before Christmas and after. Well, Hope everybody's one, oh, holiday was good. Well, yeah, one might say these emails are so long, so old. They are from last decade. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, that's right over at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. Uh, we've been sent in a couple of emails here. Now, I do have to say that there's a, there's, a, uh, there's a couple of these that have different names on them, and I'll read the names as they're given to me, but they have a suspiciously similar uh, email address. So, oh. you know, to any of our listeners who may be doubling up or tripling up, that's okay. You don't have to be ashamed of that. But uh, I did this. it just kind of made me laugh is all. So... Over at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com, where you can send in your emails to the show. We have this first one here from Steven, whose question is, As a kid, did you guys play any of the Arthur computer games or any games based on kids' shows? I remember playing the PBS Kids game where you help Buster make a movie. Uh, Lucas, CD-ROM games are probably a big part of both of our lives, so I'm oh, interested yeah. to hear this from you. I'm trying to remember. I feel like I, it's, it's, this is one of those things that are barely in the recesses of my memory of like some poorly pixelated version of Buster in like some sort of like Arthur like adventure game. Um, like I played a lot of st- like I used to love like educational games from that era like Pajama Sam and um, um, Freddy Fish. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, the, the Magic School Bus game. I played a, I played one of the Magic School Bus games Arthur at my friend Jeff's house. Hey PC Jeff. PC games. Let's take a look here. Let's see if any of these. Arthur's Reading Race. Uh, wait. Mm. If if you if Arthur's ever... Computer Adventure for PC. Some of these do look really familiar. Oh if yeah, ever... I remember Arthur's. My I think my cousins had Arthur's Computer Adventure. If you ever want an in-depth kind of look at the Arthur video games, Peanut Butter Gamer has a couple of really good videos of Jim him just kind of fooling around in those ones. Uh, so yeah, yeah, more of the Pajama Sam. I wanted Pajama Sam. Uh, no need to hide when it's dark outside so bad for computer because I used to play that when chapters first open. They had the demo of that on the computers at the store. That's crazy. Yes. Um, I can't imagine just like as a kid sitting there like playing uh, uh, that Pajama Sam demo like with people shopping for books around you. Um, well, I have good news, Will. All the Pajama Sam games are like 45 cents on Steam. So I, I know. I keep meaning to buy them and I keep forgetting. Like, and, and, and when you play uh. them with your adult brain, it's really fun because a game <laughs> that used to take you like multiple months to beat, you could beat in about an hour and a half. For sure. I think they also made it to the Wii as well, the oh, Wii weird. Virtual Console. You know, I, I'm kind of a Pajama Sam poser. I think I had the demos for, for the first one and the second one, but I the oh, one yeah. I, I would just play the third one over and over again where it goes to the food world. Okay. I know the second one is Thunder and Lightning Ain't So Frightening. Yeah, no, I think I, I either got stuck in that one or I only played the demo, but uh, the one where he goes to the food world and then I think two of the Freddy Fishes I played. I was never a putt-putt man. Mm. Never, never a big putt-putt guy myself. Also funny is Peanut Butter Gamer's uh, videos on Putt Putt, so check those out too. Uh, hey, Peanut Butter Gamer, you like that free advertising? Come on the show, <laughs> please. Uh, we have another one here from Carlos, uh, who wants us to pitch Arthur characters as political candidates. I feel like this might be a bit more of your wheelhouse. So, wait, wait, are we saying, like, comparing them to real political candidates, or, like, what would their platform... It's Is this, like, that one incredible... Um art house politics video 
where he's like going through the menu in in in, in Mario Kart, and he's like, "Yeah, I think like Luigi's a radical centrist." Uh, <laughs> let me see. Let's see if I just pull up Arthur. Isn't this sad? I well, I well, Arthur I think characters. Well, I think first of all, um, Brain is a libertarian. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I think Brain's like one of those like Elon Musk types. You know what I yeah. mean? Like mm-hmm. he thinks space exploration is going to save the world. Uh, I think Arthur. He, he also thinks you shouldn't need a license. A license to drive. Oh uh, yeah. What's next? Toasting your own damn toaster. Uh, I think. I think <laughs> Arthur is like like kind of like a neo lib like kind of like mm-hmm. like. Yeah. Uh, 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 Pete Buttigieg type, um, Francine, uh, uh, you know, Francine, I think, uh, pretty like right wing, like survival of the fittest, you know, based on her kind of like athletics, her like being into, she's uh, all charisma. uh, uh, Yeah. Yeah. All, um, I think, yeah, she's like a, she's like a Joe Biden, uh, actually, never mind. She's more like a like a Joe Biden. Like like doesn't really doesn't make sense what what she's saying. But you you like hearing his story about you know uh uh corn pop or whatever. Uh, Binky, <laughs> I'm thinking I'm thinking you're, if you were about to ask who's corn pop, that's we don't want to open up that can of worms. Uh, no, no, Binky, no. Binky uh is uh 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 hmm. Let's see. Well, okay, Muffy obviously is Michael Boom Mayor Boomblerg just trying to buy her way to the top uh spends what, the most on who, advertising who who so who's Bernie who's Bernie in all this who is Bernie uh I'm gonna say looking at this uh I could see George I could see George being a Bernie mm-hmm. I know that Sue Ellen black block Antifa uh, Suellen, yes! yeah. so Suellen is definitely like black block Antifa. She's tipping over cop cars. Yes, uh, she is. Uh, DW's alt right. Uh, oh my uh, god! Okay, whoa, yeah, whoa, uh, hang on. There. Buster, Buster's a. Uh, uh, of course, we've established this already. Buster is just a Joe Rogan listener. Uh, his politics <laughs> just line up with whoever Joe Rogan's voting for. So Buster's like an AB Klobuchar supporter. Uh, Let's see here, uh, Mr. Rapburn's probably a Bernie guy, you know, big into education. But give me, give me, give me these, one, give me, I, give me I, one more, give me I'm, one more. Sorry, I'm, I'm looking at this list of Arthur characters. It is, oh, oh, this one's easy. Uh, Prunella is a Marianne Williamson supporter. She believes in in good vibes and orbs are, are what's going to fix the country. <laughs> Very good. I'm glad. I, I I knew that I could outsource that to you, and and you would you would run with that. So thank you for that. Uh, we also have one here from Blake, whose question is, what What are your favorite Broadway plays or plays in general? Uh, Blake's is the Book of Mormon and Hamilton. Good choices. Lucas, you've been to a few plays and musicals, as have I. What would you say is your favorite? Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> I would I would say that I mean my favorite musical isn't a stage production it's the Blues Brothers, oh, yeah. uh, love that movie so much, um, but I mean I I I hate see I always want to be like a cool hipster but with the, when it comes to Broadway I'm not super familiar so I kind of got to go with the big like the ones that everyone says uh, Les Mis I I like Les Mis a lot I like Hamilton, yeah. um, I I, I really want to see. Oh God! What is it called? The new play from David Byrne, like the one with that's all Talking Heads music. Uh, that's like okay. Uh, I didn't know he was making that. Oh yeah, it's like it's on Broadway right now. Um, and I would that's like my dream one to see. Like I haven't seen it, so I can't say it's my favorite. But I feel like I would love it because I love the Talking Heads. What is it called? 
American Utopia. Okay. And that just that just entered on Broadway in October 2019, so it's brand new. I've also heard that 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 play about Newfoundland that Come From Away. Oh, Come From Away. My mother went to see that. She said it was great. So yeah, I hear that's as as East Coasters ourselves. Um I hear that is good. Uh I saw uh, the I saw the Color Purple uh musical last year with my mother and it was terrific. I oh, yeah. really liked it. I want um, I want I want to see Cats, Will. Do you? Which I, one? I, I want to see Stage or or film? Uh the movie, the movie. I want to see usually uh, when everything is universally uh, crapped on and everyone says it's bad, it's probably because it's actually really, really good. So <laughs> I have to uh, figure that out for myself and go see okay. the, the the crazy cat movie. Um, I'm right now, so I have this new thing I'm doing for 2020. You know, 2020, okay. we're, we're doing, I, I, this new thing I'm doing is, is king mentality. Nothing but king stuff. King uh, mentality. Yeah, I got a new king mentality for 2020. Uh, uh, you can bleep this out, but nothing but king for all of 2020. Uh, and so one of the one of the ways I'm living that truth is I'm, I'm keeping a note in my phone called the Lucas Mancini Hall of Kings. Um, and okay. I'm just I'm I'm just gonna make a quick addition to the Hall of Kings right now because it just popped into my head and it's Arthur yep. related. So that I'm just gonna add him to the Hall of Kings. Would you like to hear? And these are all I've thought had these thoughts in 2020. This is all related to cats, by the way. That's why I'm breaking this up. But uh, okay. who is in my Hall of Kings thus far? Give it to me. Okay, so we have first king in the Hall of Kings is Babu Frick. Uh, Babu Frick. Okay. Uh, little puppet from that new Star Wars movie. Oh uh, yeah, from I, the Man. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, not from the Mandalorian. Uh, from oh, from the new Rise oh, of Skywalker. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, uh, gotcha. He there's about 20 seconds of footage of Babu Frick in that movie, and it's the only 20 seconds I really liked. Uh, like the part <laughs> when he goes, "Droid is ready." That's pretty sick. Okay. Uh, number two king in the Hall of Kings, uh, magical Mister Mistopheles. Okay, he's a cat who could do magic. That's nuts. Okay. Magical but Mr. Mistopheles, there's never, ever been a cat that's better. Not only that, he can shoot lightning from his hands. That's crazy. Yeah, that that's that's the definition of that. Yeah, you know, great Deuteronomy is going to get him to the heavenside lair or whatever that, whatever that nonsense is all about. King number three, might have heard of this guy, Bernie Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, the, I think that one's pretty self-explanatory. King number yeah, no, four, I... uh, George Costanza is yeah. king number four. That's truly, very un, very on brand for you. Yeah, truly a king amongst uh, amongst men. Uh, yeah. uh, George Costanza, king number five. I feel like you'll like this one. Uh, Freddy Krueger <laughs> is is king number five. Uh, <laughs> okay. I, I was at the barcade the other day and I was quite drunk and they were playing oh, yeah. Friday. They were playing Nightmare on Elm Street four. On, nice. on the screen and man that freddy he was saying some funny stuff <laughs> and then <laughs> i i quickly added him to my list of kings okay all right i respect it and the newest addition of the hall of kings king number five a binky barnes yeah there it is yeah i knew he was gonna make it <laughs> excellent i'm i'm for this i'm for this i wish you all the best with the 2020 king mentality thank you uh, and we have one more email here from, I'm going to pronounce this name wrong, so I beg your pardon, F- uh, Funith? No, I'm not, you know what? You're going to have to tell me how to pronounce that next time because I don't want to do that again. How, how is it spelled? P-H-E-U-N-I-T-H. U-N-I-T-H. 
Funeth? Like Funeth or Foyneth? Quineth? Quineth? Uh, nah. Uh, anyway, Quineth. anyway. Th- they Psychic water it. type. Is he named after a Pokemon? Uh, that's the name in the email, so I'm oh. guessing they didn't want to give their real name, so that's fine. Uh... I really enjoy your podcast. It brings me comfort to listen to other people who are as avid about the Arthur series that I grew up with and continue to enjoy with my best friend, Irvin, who is just as passionate about the program as I am. You two are neck and neck for my favorite Canadian podcast, tying with Order of the Straight Arrow, a King of the Hill podcast. I'll have to check that one out. It's the kind of back and forth and opinions that I generally enjoy at home or when work gets slow. I do catering like Dad Reed, and like him, that line of work lets me go to a number of events, all of which don't interest me, but I'm sure would interest interest you both considering how outspoken you two are about your interest in the podcast events like wwe wrestling what cool man something my sister calls posty fest which only happens in the dallas area for some reason with other artists you two mention often but i can't name off the top of my head save for jaden smith does so. i i assume posty fest uh must be some sort of post malone thing especially because it's in dallas isn't he from texas i don't know post malone's posty fest 2019 is what google tells me fest that one i'd be less excited for (laughs) well let's let's Let's... see here it's it's post malone meek mill okay so wait boo boo yay 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 i like those last three uh so i'm gonna tell you these names and i don't know them but you might uh dominic fike no doja doja cat Ooh, i like doja cat doja cat's cool uh, Yella, Yella, Yella Beezy? No, do not know Yella Beezy. Tyler Yahweh? No, I, 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 I'm, I think I'm looking at the same list as you, and I, the only one I know besides uh, Doja Cat after that is uh, Beach Fossils, which Beach is fossils. quite good. Okay. Well, uh, not not too far off, all things considered. Um, okay, where was I? What I get most out of the podcast is understanding what Arthur means for more people than just myself and my best friend. But a topic that I wonder if you two have ever thought about is how cunningly scheming DW can be, yet she still manages to get fooled by the Tibble twins. By my count, she's tricked by them around five times in the show's lifespan and counting. She's even looked down on their intelligence or lack thereof, but you would think she would know better by now not to, than to take their word on matters. That's a really good point. DW, it, you, you gotta have somebody who has the inside track on DW, and that's how you fool somebody who thinks they're as smart as she does, is that uh, you get somebody who she thinks she's smarter than and just allows her to essentially play herself. Yeah, I, I've really liked what they've been doing with DW's character in recent episodes, having um, th- their new neighbor uh, 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 kind of play the role of DW to DW. Of now, someone has DW has someone that she kind of is in a position where she's the superior one, right? Just because she's a yeah. little bit older. Um, and so I always like that role for DW. I also do like it when role, DW's being conniving. Like, sure, she's been tricked by the Tibbles five times, but I feel like there's a handful of times she's tricked the Tibbles, like when she was pretending to know how to read. Um, I, I I can't think of another moment, but I I, I feel like DW is also sometimes getting the best of her peers. I think yeah. that's just how it is when you're like a little kid, right? Little kids are so trusting. Um, they'll kind of believe what whatever each other will say, uh, even when you know they lie to each other all the time. Uh, that's just kind of how little kids are programmed. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, everybody, for the emails over at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And we're going to give further thanks here to our lovely patrons, patreon.com slash ElwoodCityLimits. See if you can spot the new patron name. Ooh. Lucas, I know that you will. So just keep keep your ears open 
and uh, you will. We've got Aaron DeFilippo and Alex, Caitlin Harrington, Chandler LaFave Bowden, Christine Wong, and Sierra S. There's Dan, Mike Dawson Silva, Emily K, and Froppy, Ian Collis, Jake Bailey, Joe Sue, John Dulong, John Griswold, Kat and Kaylin Krogall, Kevin Noon, Kristen, Leanne S, Light Relentless, Macy Ball, Marlo Stanfield, Michaela Gibson, Rachel Pearson, Riley Stevens, Shayna Bennett, Stella, Teresa, and William. Nothing? Uh, I, I, I'm sorry, Will. I was, I was looking at my phone. <laughs> oh, Who's the God. new name? Marlo Stanfield, dog. Marlo Stanfield. Oh, I, Marlo, you're not officially in the Hall of Kings, but you're an honorary. You're, you're a squire. Squire in the Hall of Kings is yes. Marlo Stanfield, and you can be too. Marlo Stanfield's you, uh, at the at the round table, right next and to you can Freddy Krueger. If you, <laughs> and you can be too if you donate to us on Patreon. Hey, uh, just a quick quick little teaser for the month ahead. There's going to be big changes happening, especially with the Elwood City Limits Patre- Patreon, and there's going to be new things going on there. So current patrons, make sure that you keep checking both the Discord and our Patreon page. And if you want to become a patron, there's going to be some exciting new content coming soon. Lucas, Season 9 of Arthur debuted in late 2004 and continued on into 2005. We've got a couple of casting changes here. Yes, and I noticed these immediately. Mm -hmm. So replacing Mark Rendell as the voice of Arthur is a young man named Cameron Ansel. You may recognize his voice from Beyblade Metal Masters, Bakugan, and Spider Riders. <laughs> Whoa! Okay, cool. <laughs> Calling all Spider Riders. So it kind of comes full circle for us. We didn't. We certainly didn't know about that nine seasons ago when we were making the Spider Riders jokes. That's right. Which I, I've gone back on the record and, and, and clarified that that is incorrect. Right? It isn't Drake who did the it's Spider not, Riders. Y- Steve. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. that was we, misinformation I was given. Misinformation. It's still, it's still, uh, hey, Drake didn't make it. It's still a slapper, though. Calling all spider riders. Let's ride, baby. Let's ride. We've got Paul Stewart Brown replacing Alex Hood as the brain. This is a little odd because both voice actors share the role of brain for this season. It's in season 10 that we get brain's new voice full time. So like in this episode, it's, and we'll talk about it later. It's still Alex Hood as the brain. But if you hear a new brain voice sometime this episode, that's Paul Stewart Brown. And finally, uh, f- former guest of the show, Jessica Cardos, joins the cast, replacing Patricia Rodriguez as Sue Ellen. Oh, wow. Very- okay, so Sue Ellen wasn't in this episode, so I didn't notice. Mm-hmm. But I'm very excited to hear more of Jessica's uh, work. She- and if you want to go back and listen to our interview, it is in the uh, podcast archive. So check that one out. Jessica's great. I'm really uh, happy to be hearing more from her. This is the first season of Arthur since the company Cenar, which made a lot of uh, cartoons when we were kids in Montreal, rebranded to Cookie Jar Entertainment. Yeah, we got the hot new logo. And so it's funny, Will, we talk about kind of generational things. Um, I, I When I saw the Cookie Jar Entertainment briefly at the end of this episode, I was like yeah. whisked back. To, oh. to I, 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 I do remember this era of like PBS programming, like that cookie jar entertainment logo reminded me of like, what was that show? What was his name? Ruff 
rough something. It was like a dog that they would they would animate. the The dog was animated, but um, the backgrounds were like real. Let's see, rough. This is getting into kind of your childhood. Yeah, so yeah. By, I, the by rough, this point, uh, I, I, the rough Ruffman show. Okay. Yeah, the rough Ruffman show. Uh, first episode. By this point, I was too busy watching The Simpsons. Oh, excuse me. No, Fetch with Rough. So the Rough Ruffman shows the new version. Fetch with Rough Ruffman debuted uh, from 2006 to 2010. Hmm. So this would be at the tail end of my Arthur watching. But that's what that Cookie Jar Entertainment logo reminded me of. Gotcha. Uh, 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 but I mean, to talk about kind of our, our, our differences, Will, uh, I did remember this episode. And as you've stated many times, this is the kind of the beginning of the zar- your dark zone with Arthur, where this is all mm-hmm. new to you. Uh, but there's there's a specific moment in this episode that it, it's one of those like Arthur moments that's always kind of weirdly stuck in my brain for some reason. So let's talk about it. Um, this episode of Arthur is, of course, called Castles in the Sky. Don't tell me why. They put castles in the sky. Wait, wait, where is it? Where is the... I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get this, this freaking Spotify. Just a second. I just want to do bits now. After that episode where we had the censor button, it's like, tell me why. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> castles in the sky. It's on my watch later list. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a listen to it later. I promise you. Okay. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, that's some snowstorm music. Uh, and that's what we, you know, sort of open up on in this episode of Arthur is there's a big snowstorm. Yeah, that's right. And immediately it's like Arthur's voice is completely different. Yeah, this He's, is it, so usually I, I'm pretty slow to the draw in terms of being like, oh, uh, actually, Lucas, did you notice Arthur's voice was different this time? And I'm like, no, this time it's it's super super apparent and at first like this first opening sequence i found it really jarring but Mm -hmm. actually over the course of the episode i don't think it's very similar i feel like the other arthur voices that we've heard are a lot more similar to one another in terms of like whenever they get in a replacement i think this is the most different he's ever sounded but i also think that it's a it's a really good performance yeah i mean i got used to it by the end of it and it's just like i think it's just a product of like i remember arthur when i was a kid sounding like me because i was a kid and now as we go along it's like arthur sounds more like a child to me because i'm an adult so go figure but Um, i think it also it complicates things that buster's voice never changes so it, it, it makes arthur's voice sound all the more different that we just have the exact same buster voice we've always had I wrote here that the, that the new Arthur voice could almost be a DW voice. It's like that yeah. high pitched. Arthur and Buster having this sled race during the middle of winter. Um, what stakes did they put on it again? Hmm. No, I don't. I don't. I didn't. I didn't write down. They put. They the... put some kind of. Wa- they put some kind of wager on it. It's not. It's not important ultimately because they make it to the end of the hill, and you know Arthur. Arthur's like, "Did I win?" And Buster says, "Who cares?" <laughs> because the treehouse has been destroyed. So this is a this is a huge way to kick off season nine. Absolutely, man. This is like Game of Thrones, where when winter came, the opening yeah. sequence, it's like all different. It's like if there was if they were doing a flyover of Elwood City, or or like in in Simpsons when like after the movie, and everyone's like kind of recovering from the dome in the opening. Um, right. Exactly. From now on, like the Arthur's Treehouse is always destroyed. I uh, there's a lot of things that they're kind of a lot of relevatory moments early on i had always assumed that the treehouse was just in arthur's backyard i did not realize it was in a neutral location 
Yeah, it, it's um, I it, I think we kind of knew before that it was not exactly in Arthur's backyard, but yeah. It must be really uh, close, though, because remember the episode where Arthur's, like, sneaking around his family and, like, someone's, like, spotting for him with binoculars from the treehouse? It's, like, right next to his house in that episode, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, f- I figured it was, like, a close-by kind of, like, uh, route towards, like, a park or a wooded area or something like that. Anyway... Super unexpected. I did not know that the treehouse was going to go bust here. And this is a huge blow to everybody um, as they're talking about it in the Sugar Bowl about uh, how they need they need that treehouse. It, it's just not the same without it. There's a piece of great animation here as well as like Buster is trying to offer Arthur's pie to the aliens as a peace offering. And Arthur kind of grabs it back. I just... Wanted to shout out that the animation in this at this part was uh, pretty good. Yeah, that 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 piece of pie, I I almost gasped because that pie almost falls off his plate, and I was like, oh my gosh! And and the, and the spoon like clatters to the table, and I'm like, make it almost making me nervous here. And uh, we get everybody kind of talking about the treehouse. We actually get a little bit of history of how the treehouse began. This was so cool. Yeah, I this, loved th- this. This was great. I really enjoyed this as well. So it, so it, it yeah it was like a community project. Like everyone came together to build the treehouse. Everybody's families, Arthur's, Francine's, uh, Buster's, George's. There's a little George. He's got a helmet on, and he's carrying uh, materials in a bucket on one of his horns. I thought that was so cute. And, yeah, it's so all the parents came together to build this treehouse for them. when they were. It looks like they were about – so DW was a baby. So Arthur was probably like five, I want to say. Yeah, this is pre-glasses Arthur. He's got the overalls on. Yeah, and uh, – they all go to enjoy the treehouse. DW uh, like crawls her way over there, and this is weird. Arthur says, "No, sorry, Dora Winifred. It's only for big kids." And I'm just like, it's just weird to hear her called by her name. Also, loved Arthur's dressing up, dressing up as Little Dad Reed. Oh, he's I... got the same. He's got the same like colored sweater on and everything. Oh, it's I didn't just... even notice that. What a great homage. It's a great little touch. Uh, so, yeah, once again, Arthur kind of dealing with nostalgia in its own way of just like this treehouse has been a part of our lives for a long time. And I loved just getting to flesh it out a little bit. And so they're wondering, you know, what they can do, how they how they can ever build it again. And, well, I also didn't expect there to be a special guest on this episode. But uh, this is another this is another real outside pick. And I got to respect him for that. So. Uh, who happens to be in the booth next to him at the Sugar Bowl, but uh, as we find out later, Frank Gehry. Yeah, famous architect Frank Gehry uh, making his appearance, and you know what it's time for, Will? It's time for the Matt Damon, Art Garfunkel scale. Every time we have a special guest, are, are they a good authorization of a real person, a.k.a. Art Garfunkel, or did they just put ears on a regular person, a.k.a. Matt Damon? I think it's closer to Matt Damon, to be perfectly honest with you. I agree. I think no offense to Frank Gary. It was fun to have him on this episode, but I have it paused at 327 right now, and Frank Gary just kind of looks like Mike Francesca uh, (laughs) with with ears, with animal ears. (laughs) Yeah, it's 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 not it's not great. It wasn't distracting, so like I actually forgot that we that we were doing this. But uh, yeah, it's <laughs> what you I'm can't, glad, I'm, you, you forgot about the segment. There's only been like one other episode with. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll try to keep it in mind for next time, though. It wasn't yeah, it wasn't distracting, but it's also like okay, he's 
just barely an animal. So a little bit of info here on Frank Gehry. He's a an architect based out of Los Angeles. His work is cited as some of the most important of contemporary architecture. So he designed buildings like the Guggenheim in Spain, which they talk about at the end of the episode, uh, the Walt Disney Concert Hall in Los Angeles, uh, the Museum of Pop Culture in Seattle, and a whole lot more. Like check out his Wikipedia oh, wow. page I've for been, all of the stuff he did. I've been to the Museum of Pop Culture. Oh yeah? Yeah, no, I loved it. It was awesome. Um that's where I saw that's where I saw Gizmo from Gremlins in real life. They had a real life. Oh. Uh, totally cool. So yeah, that, that's a Frank Gary. Wow, amazing. Whoa. Uh Frank Gary is also not a voice actor. In case, in case you were wondering, <laughs> oh poor Frank! I feel like we've been dunking a, a lot on Frank Gary this episode. I might, I, this moment happens later on, but I want to balance all the bad with the good. Um, so the part that I remember from this episode that I've remembered my entire life is the part where, and this is much later on, but he shows them the picture of the the real building. I'm assuming he made that looks like binoculars. Yes. Um, ever since I was a little kid, I've remembered that building, and it's only because of this Arthur episode. Interesting. Uh, but even as an adult, I'm like, do you guys know that there's a building that looks like binoculars? And the only reason I know about that is from this, like, sequence. I, I don't really keep track with famous architects, to be honest with you, so I feel like Frank Gehry might be the only one I could even think of. Well, and, I mean, hey, listen, I, I'm, you know, clowning a little bit on Frank Gehry, but he's made infinitely more money than I ever will, and he's far more talented, so all respect to him in the world. Uh, and this is cool. Like I said, it's an outside pick. It's not some... It's somebody that the parents of kids watching Arthur might know. I certainly didn't know who Frank Gehry was until I watched this episode. And so he's trying to give the kids a pep talk into creating a new treehouse, which uh, everybody spends the rest of the episode kind of doing their own designs. Uh, so we go to Buster's house. Arthur and Buster are trying to figure out theirs. I think Arthur wants his to be kind of look like he has an idea for like a castle and one that's shaped like a rocket ship, which Buster kind of doesn't go for, which surprised me a little bit. What kind of castle? Uh, like a castle in the sky? That kind of castle? Yeah, that kind of castle. Sorry, there, there's, there's, no, there's no rocket in the sky. Um, <laughs> Eurobeat song. Um, the return of Buster's disgusting food case. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, and I, I'm also not really sure how I feel. So he pulls out the crust of a pizza, and he said it's the first crust that he and his mother had I, with Harry. It's, yeah, I, I feel like um, there's a little bit of a, like, ooh, maybe Buster's going to need some therapy when he's older. You know what it's I mean? A, it's, a, it's a little sad. Like, a little sad. I got to be honest with you. I felt bad for him. I don't know if it's more sad or if it's more gross. You got to think about how nasty. Uh, like, pizza it's, gets it's, it's It's unquestionably gross, of course. <laughs> but like, like, he's always opening and closing that case. Like, just think. <laughs> About, like, the protocultures and, like, the spurs Uh and, like, the the second he opens that case, the second he cracks the seal, like, the combined mold of all of those ancient food items is just, like, is probably ungodly, like, horrible. Like, it's just, like, ugh. But you're right. Also, keeping keeping his his mom's ex-boyfriend's first piece of pizza he had with him. When we, you're, when we, you're just lucky. You're just lucky that he didn't eat it. We've seen Buster eat gross stuff out of that fish tank. That's true. And I, th- even I, I was, like, I was certain he was going to eat it. Uh, even when he like, it's pretty fresh. Like, let's say he put the pizza in there yesterday. Everything yeah. else in there certainly is not. And that's not how mold works. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Buster has an idea about how he wants the treehouse to be like an uh, basically like an active pizza. 
Like you go up into it. It's got pepperoni for the windows, which you can eat if it's not raining. There's uh, there's furniture made out of mozzarella cheese. There's um, there's like an all you can drink pizza sauce fountain. And God, I'm I'm getting I've had dinner. I'm getting hungry now. Imagine watching this before breakfast, like I did. I was starving. <laughs> I, I it's like, um, I don't know. For me, like. I don't know what it is about when people like are like, oh, we're gonna live in our food, like cloudy with a chance of meatballs. But yeah. like watching Buster like drink marinara sauce from the tap out of like a coffee mug, <laughs> I, I I wasn't. I kind of lost my appetite. I was like, oh my. Word. It's definitely not something that you should do, but I was also like, listen, I can't judge. That would probably be like the darkest moment of my life, but I'd do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to hear you admit that, Will. I'm glad. I love I, the honesty. It's not a positive thing. Like, don't get me wrong. Uh, yeah, so Buster has his dream. Uh, Arthur, I love this comeback. He's just like, uh, I'm not taking a design for a pizza treehouse to Frank. He's on a, he's on a first name basis with with Frank <laughs> Gary, like, like they're neighbors or something. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. He's like, Frank wouldn't like that. Like, Arthur, you just met the guy. And also, Arth- oh, so Arthur's so much better. He's going to make a rocket ship treehouse. What good mm-hmm. does that serve? A, a stationary rocket ship that's growing out of the ground? Just as ridiculous. Listen, they made the world's biggest pizza, so it's not outside the realm of possibility that they could make a pizza treehouse. I feel like it's more likely that they could make a pizza treehouse than they could make a castle rocket ship treehouse. I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, so other kids are trying to think. Uh, Francine's trying to make like basically like this treehouse compound that has like... Uh, sections for everybody. Yeah, Francine's trying to be all things to all people, uh, and so at first, like, there's the, that's kind of the pl- sub Francine subplot in this episode is that she like tries to make it so it has a uh, a, a wrestling arena for Binky, which very mm-hmm. sick. That's what secured his his place on the list of kings. Uh, yeah. He also wants to make a uh, oh where where do I have it here? Oh yeah, Suellen uh, 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 pagoda, an art pagoda for Suellen. Yeah, pagoda. Um, and, and there's a, a good use of that word. Well, there's a part where she says Suellen's pagoda, and I was like, "Dang, Suellen's pagoda sounds like a '90s band, like a, like a, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like that, yes. like era of of um um like Goo Goo Dolls or something. Uh, um, and, and I, <laughs> what is the third thing she wants to put in as well? She's got all this stuff, and at first she tries to she, put uh, it all I, on. I think it's like a work, uh, a workhouse, uh, not a workhouse, but like a a, a a tool shed for George or something like that. Uh, but eventually she just takes all those ideas and, and yeah, like you said, makes it turns it into a compound as opposed to one tree. It's almost like a tree village, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like where the Ewoks live. We uh, we get a bit that's, here from that's, Brain. That's the other good part of that new Star Wars movie, by the way, is the is the split second where you see an Ewok. And I was like, oh, yeah, I like Star Wars sometimes. <laughs> Brain, uh, we get a little bit from him. He take he asks Mr. McGrady for a bunch of toothpicks. He's trying to make a model of what he wants Treehouse to be, and it's here you can you can tell that it's Brain's voice actor from the past season. It's Alex Hood, but he's audibly getting older. Yeah. Like he's a little, his voice is a little bit deeper. But I, you know, I kind of like that. Like I don't know why they always they always kind of made Brain sound the youngest. Uh, like even um, except for like this current Arthur voice, I always felt like he like because th- they kept switching his voice actor. Whereas like like I, we say like Francine and Buster kind of always stay the same. So Brain always ended up sounding like the youngest, and I feel like that doesn't really fit his character. Like I think it's fine for Brain to sound a little bit older. 
Yeah, he always kind of looks physically a bit older than everybody as well. Yeah, uh, uh, and, and so what Brain does here is it's funny because this episode is actually really good. It's one of those episodes where it kind of teaches you, not in the straight-up educational sense, but, like, it's an episode about architecture, which is something that kids don't probably consider all that often. Um, I, I certainly didn't when I was a kid, so that's why I think that that binoculars picture stuck out in my mind so long. Uh, but what Brain does here, making kind of the popsicle stick tower um, – uh, I was for my job. I was watching this session of uh, a high school students uh, kind of g- getting a taste of um, like uh, university level architecture programs, right? And so there was kind mm. of these these high school students, and it was this initiative to get them thinking about architecture not just in buildings or in, in from a scientific perspective, but how architecture is also you know heavily art based as well. And so they did a very similar exercise as the brain does here with the, with the toothpicks and the and the glue and such. Yeah, and it it does seem like something feasible that like a project that could be done by uh, by someone Brain's age. Um, yeah, and Brain kind of like spends night and day. He catches a cold trying to make this like toothpick uh, representation of what he wants, and he's basing it off of like famous buildings uh, off of what he wants the treehouse to look like. I also really appreciate it as some of the kids are drawing their stuff. We get a return to stick figure animation. Um, in some of the drawings coming to life. There's another one, I think it's Francine's, when she's talking about all the ones, the different things that she wants, the different representations, and, like, every part of the treehouse is connected by bridges, and I was like, connected by bridges? What is this, Death Stranding? <laughs> yeah, um, it's, it's Francine's going to make the first Strand treehouse. Um, she's got to upload the treehouse to the Chiral Network. But none of them are, they're not able to agree on anything. There's all of these, like, really elaborate plans that, for one reason or another, uh, Frank Gehry lets him down easy and saying, that probably couldn't happen. I'm sorry, I uh, cannot unsee this Mike Francesca thing. Frank Gehry, in this episode of Arthur, looks exactly like Mike Francesca in the Uncut Gems trailer. When he's, like, yelling at Adam Sandler to be like, what kind of bet is that? doesn't make any sense that's a stupid bet like they he's dressed the same way like it's kind of uncanny i'll have to look this up i don't Here, know if let me I... let me let me i want to find you keep talking i'm gonna find the uncut gems trailer and i'm gonna send you a timestamp because i can't unsee this i did also want to note that when brain brings in this sculpture that he's been working on he says that you know they can build the world's tallest treehouse which can help to revive the sluggish elwood city economy so I find that interesting that Elwood City's economy is kind of not doing so great for whatever reason. That's true. 2004 was an economically prosperous time, so I wonder why why Elwood City is is having such a rough go. Uh, I'm going to get you to go to uh, 33 seconds in of this YouTube video here. <laughs> okay, you're, you're going to send this to me? Yeah. I wish this movie was playing, hey, to all of our international listeners... Uh, Uncut Gems, not playing in Halifax. I'm really bummed about it. It's my most It's not playing in Halifax at all? It's not playing in Halifax I, at all. It's my most anticipated movie of the year. I'm really oh, distraught. I was thinking it. Of, I was thinking of seeing that. Well, hopefully oh, hopefully it comes here. I would I would like to. I've heard a lot of really good things about it. Okay, 33 seconds yeah, you said? Exactly 33 seconds in. Exactly 33 seconds. So this is the Uncut Gems official trailer HD. <laughs> yeah, I kind of see what you're talking about. <laughs> a, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mike Francesca, the Pope. It's the stupidest um, bet I ever heard. <laughs> so essentially, 
uh, Frank Gehry gives us the the lesson of the episode, which I feel like is a lesson we've learned a lot. But you know, you know, we just got to keep keep learning them. Um, and that's that. You know, you probably could have a really great idea if you all work together instead of uh, you know thinking of ideas just on your own. And eventually, they come to the idea that they liked the treehouse the way it was, essentially. So they do a little bit of a building montage with the kids helping out as well as the parents, which I thought was kind of nice. There's a weird thing here where it's like, so it, when George was a kid, was like five years old or whatever, he you know climbed up the ladder to give his dad the bucket of nails. This time he gives him the bucket of nails using Wally, and there's a shot of Wally with the nails in his mouth, and Wally can blink? <laughs> Wally keeps coming back. I thought like George's whole character arc was he put Wally in the trunk. But, like, Wally keeps making appearances. Like, at first he was just, like, he would take Wally out to get advice from him. Like, remember, Wally would be all dusty and he'd be, like, coughing up. But now it's just, like, is George just chilling with Wally again? I guess so. It's just kind of part of, just a secondary part of his character now. But it's just, like, why is Wally blinking? How can he blink? It's not not real. There's also a great bit of uh, visual comedy when uh, Bitsy brings out a pizza for everybody who's working, uh, Buster takes out a notepad to start like writing down something, and then Brain just puts his hand on his shoulder and just goes, no. <laughs> well, yeah, there's this whole moment that we forgot to talk about earlier on the episode where when, uh, like, they had ordered, Buster's family had ordered a pizza, and, like, they're about to eat it, and the Buster's like, wait, I need to, what does he say? He goes, uh, 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 I want this drawing to really capture pizza. <laughs> and then it's like a circle with a bunch of smaller circles. <laughs> um, so yeah, they get the they get the new treehouse built for you know it's, it looks pretty much the same as the old one, but you know that's that's the way it is. It works just fine for them. And then at the end, uh, Frank Gary, who in the end just kind of consulted on this one, he didn't do any on the ground work. Um, you know, says congratulations, and uh, I wanted to give you guys something. And as he as he. Um, as he makes his leave, they take a look at it, and it's a sh- and it's a picture of the Guggenheim in Bilbao, Spain, which is one of the buildings that Frank Gehry uh, was an architect for. And then Brain's like, "That was the Frank Gehry." Yeah, really. Again, nothing but king mentality. Brain apparently is familiar with famous architects. That makes sense, though. That tracks. I was like, okay, if anybody's gonna like give him a shout out, it's gonna be Brain. Oh so. yeah, yeah. For some reason, my brain thought it was Binky for a second. I was like, that's no. that's a surprise. Yeah, and special thanks to Frank Gehry to end the episode. All right, we're going to talk about the second half of this one. I'm really excited to talk about our second half of the Arthur episode right after this. Support for Elwood City Limits is really easy. First of all, you can visit us and follow us on social media. You can go to facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. On Twitter, you can follow us at ECL Podcast. We're also on Tumblr, elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. You can also go to our Instagram, Elwood City Limits. Follow us over there, too. You can also contribute to us on a monthly basis over at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. We have corresponding rewards for when we hit certain levels of patronage. So please, if you feel like you would like to donate financially to us, you're under no obligation to. But if you want to, patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. Also, if you want to have a little bit of ECL on your person, go to teespring.com slash store 
stores slash Elwood hyphen city hyphen limits hyphen store. Make a little rhyme out of it. <laughs> you can go over there and get a t-shirt, a hoodie, or a tank top with the Elwood City Limits logo on it. And we've got even more designs coming in real soon. So make sure to check back there. Finally, share this podcast with a friend who likes animation, who likes Arthur, or who just likes having fun. Sharing us on social media, sharing us with people you know, and sending in your emails to elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. All are fantastic ways to support us, and we thank you very much very much now let's get back to the show and we're back with tipping the scales i had no idea what this one was going to be about and i was pleasantly surprised did you you watch this one before breakfast as well because if you weren't hungry before this this opening sequence would be brutal tell me about it i have that exact note so first of all i wanted i wanted to note here that uh principal haney pronounces the word as garbage uh, I forget exactly what the sentence was, but he's just like, uh, uh, please throw your garbage into. So like how Mean Gene Okerlund would pronou- would pronounce Lex Luger as the total package. <laughs> just that weird kind of regional pronunciation. Uh, garbage spelled G-A-R-B-E-E-J. <laughs> Not to confuse you, <laughs> Lucas. Uh, but yes, they're talking about how they're going to be going to. Uh, Crown oh, City. Crazy. Crown City. They're go- yeah, they're going to Crown City. What's the name of the the hall? It's, so- it's supposed to sound like Carnegie Hall, but it's not Carnegie Hall. Oh no, I didn't write yeah, that down right? either. It's like <laughs> Carna Carna. Wait, he- no, it's it. No, it doesn't even start with a C. I think it start- It starts with an A. Oh, is it like Bartleby um, Hall or something? Bar. Yeah, it's like Bartleby Hall. Bar- it's it's Carnegie Hall if it was ran by Bloods instead of Crips. So it's Bartleby <laughs> Bartleby Bartleby Ball. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, Arthur and the uh, gang—they're just bricking back being bull at Barnaby Ball. And don't get you—don't get it twisted. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's yeah, it's Bart—it's Bartleby Hall that they're going to be performing <laughs> at in Crown City, uh, and Bound, Binky- City, Bound City when we roll through. <laughs> uh, so Binky's t- Binky's telling them about how on every trip to Bartleby Hall, when the, when the kids go to perform as part of a concert. They go to Miss Krasny takes them to Finkelmeyer's Deli, which whoa. Yeah, so Finkelmeyer's we, we, Deli. The, there's so many things about this. So first of all, the the smoked meat sandwich just looks immaculate, looks spectacular. You have to sit on a phone book to be able to bite into it, which doesn't don't have to think about that too long because it doesn't really make that much sense. Uh, but looks delicious. But then also, I want to just point out there's like a bowl. There's like a popcorn bowl sized bowl of pickles. Yeah, like. I count already, and this is just the think about this is the top of the bowl of pickles. So just think about how many pickles lay, lie within beneath this. But yeah, one, this two, is, yeah. three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten pickles up top on the surface. Yeah, ten pickles. I I feel like I would start to feel sick if I, I like I love pickles. I don't know if about ten. I don't know if ten, and these are big ones too. These ain't dills. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. Ten pickles in a row is the move, especially after eating a giant Montreal smoked meat sandwich. My my wife Jenna hates um, the smell and the taste of vinegar, so and that especially goes for pickles. So if I ate that many pickles, uh, I would be sleeping on the couch, quarantined. And then there's this massive cheesecake. Oh, it's like a block of cheesecake. 
It's it's like literally a rectangle of cheesecake. It's unbelievable. It's yeah. Don't watch either of these episodes before you've eaten because you'll get hungry. Vicky said it was so good it almost made repeating the third grade worth it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it turns out that Miss Krasny won't be able to take them, and they're gonna have to uh, get a substitute music teacher. And who is it? But returning guest Doctor Frederick Fugue. This was like one of those moments where it's like. I if if this was a sitcom like the crowd would cheer. I never thought we were going to see Doctor Frederick Fugue again. Me neither. I, thought, I was I thought so he was happy. A throwaway character of the week, and I was like, yeah, I I I almost had that like audience moment of like, woo! The Fugue <laughs> is back, baby. By the way, uh, we get it in canon here. He spells Frederick with a Q. <laughs> so like Frederick. I loved it. It's such a great character flourish for that. So, uh, Doctor uh, Fugue, Doctor Frederick Fugue, uh, another politics getting at this. He's got Boris Johnson's hair. He does have Boris Johnson's hair. I, That's I, so strange. I, I think Boris Johnson might be the only living person with IRL Doctor Frederick Fugue hair. Oh my god! I'm looking at a picture right now. It's uncanny. Yeah, it's weird. Now that you say that, it's definitely the same vibe. The, it's like it, the ugh. exact same hair. Except I'd much rather have Dr. Frederick Fugue as yeah, Prime Minister. I, I, I wonder of, I wonder if Dr. Frederick Fugue Dr. Frederick Fugue, how do you unwind? He unwind. What do you do for fun? He's like, I'll do quadratic equations and I'll read Greek poetry. <laughs> it's like, temper, temper. Uh, yeah, yeah. Doc, Dr. Frederick Fugue, uh, are, are are you gonna go back on Brexit? I'll rather be did it a ditch. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Dr. Fugue is back again, and he's a great character from a, a few seasons ago, and only Binky and Arthur know about how stern D- Dr. Fugue is. So Binky is already trying to get out of uh, of singing. This, is, this, this kind is such of... a great, like, this moment is such a good reintroduction of Fugue's character, because, like, let's say you're not, like, a psycho like us who has watched every single episode of Arthur in chronological <laughs> order. Psycho! Uh, uh, <laughs> and you, you need kind of a quick getting back up to speed of, like, okay, what's this Frederick Fugue guy all about? Uh, we get this great little moment that, like, perfectly explains his character, where Biggie's like, oh, I can't sing, my throat hurts. And Dr. Frederick Fugue's like, uh, well, if you're singing properly from your diaphragm, you should be fine. And also, here's a flavorless lozenge. Yeah. And, like, him tossing if- Binky, like, not a lemon lozenge, not a straw, like, flavorless is such – that's, like, Dr. Frederick Fugue in a nutshell. It is. And if you sing properly, then you shan't strain the vocal cords. Like, ah. Oh. So great. I'm so glad he's here. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of Binky's whole thing for this uh, episode as we go along is that he doesn't want to sing in front of Dr. Fugue, which is so strange because even when we've heard Binky sing, like Bruce Dinsmore, a great singer, and he's a great singer in Binky's voice. Yeah. So we know that he can sing. Um, But there's also kind of – so this whole thing – it's kind of hard to go blow by blow because it's Dr. Fugue um, yeah, essentially... Yeah, a, a big part of this episode kind of just feels like a montage of the kids getting way into singing. Which I which I liked, though. I liked watching it because I must say the direction that they use to have the kids go from, you know, some, a bunch of them, like the first time that he gets them to sing, like some of them aren't on cue, uh, like they're coming in late, all this kind of stuff. And then as they... We go along in the episode, the kids go from, like, bad to fine to pretty good to, like, actually sounding good. So the direction that they used for the children singing at different um, uh, levels of expertise was really well done. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to point out here. So, like, obviously, the the comparisons like Whiplash, right? Like early on when they're not <laughs> they're not good. I mean, not as inten- not not as intense, of course. But he is pointing out like who's flat, like who needs to like work on things. Uh, uh, and then like later on, he is talking about like tempo, tempo. Like, the, what does he say? This isn't Tchaikovsky's funeral march or something. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, oh man, I would love Whiplash with um. W- w- would it be Arthur in the Miles Teller role or Binky? Uh, probably Binky. Probably Binky. Okay. Uh, like, were you stalling or were you late? Uh, I was stalling. Well, well, if you know, <laughs> then why are you doing it? You're, you're, throws throws a drumstick at him. There's also a little great little fun like throwaway sequence where um, it's like the kids kind of hopping along like a musical note path. I liked that yes. that sequence kind of illustrating them kind of getting into the music. But I will say we were all the positive things we're saying about this montage. And this is just me. This is not an objective. Uh, it, this is just it, uh, when they're kind of at the lunch cafeteria table and they're, yes. and they're singing to each other. Oh, I liked that. I'm glad you liked it, Will. It kind of reminded me about when I would find the theater kids being annoying in high school. Now, that's oh, that's, yeah. that's not – that's me – that's 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 a B problem, okay? That's did not you, the theater kids' problem. That's a Lucas. That's something I gotta work on. But it did. Were the me, theater kids like running scales or something? They were just this. You know the type of person where like I do just, know the type of person. They're just singing all the time, like all yeah. the time. Um, just because they just because they can. Just because they can because doesn't mean they so should. Talented. Exactly, exactly. And so it kind of gave me flashbacks <laughs> to that, to like the type of the genre of high school person. Um, that's like. <laughs> asking for their like pudding in the cafeteria like they're Russell Crowe and Les Mis and they're like give me pudding and like prisoner 50621 can I have pudding just for one well Jean your 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 time in the your time in the lunch line is up and your parole's begun <laughs> that's pretty good you know what that means I I guess it's pretty good to do like no key <laughs> Russell Crowe <laughs> you know what that means I know that's I remember seeing that movie for the first time and being like, oh, wow, like, Russell Crowe's in this movie and I can, like, sing just as good as him. That <laughs> me- must mean I'm a really good singer. Hell yeah. Well, no, like, if, we ever, no, if we ever do karaoke, no, you got to do the Russell Crowe parts from Les Mis. <laughs> That's so sick. <laughs> you know nothing of Javert. I was born inside a jail. Yeah. Yeah, trust me. I, um, I'm full of it. I'm full of it. Um... Yeah, so Binky is doing his best to get out of uh, singing. He does some of the classics here, like, um, so Dr. Fugue is trying to audition for a solo, and Francine just assumes she'll immediately get it, but she actually needs a little bit of training. Uh, She needs some training on breath control in order to eventually become the soloist. But Binky doesn't want to sing in front of Dr. Fugue at all, so he does the classic, like, Get, is is fake late he's like oh darn my watch is slow and does, when they're and, all sing- and does Binky have a watch I don't think so yeah. <laughs> and then when they're all no, singing I'm as a group now, he definitely doesn't <laughs> <laughs> when they're all singing as a group Binky does the fake singing that I used to do in choir same, when I was little same when I was in the, and, the, 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 um, the Christmas concert or whatever when I was little I did the, the, the lip syncing as well the Millie Vanilli strat yeah, I feel like everybody does that. So everybody is doing their best to try and prepare, and they are slowly getting better. There's a really nice flashback of Dr. Fugue in the children's choir at uh, Crown City, uh, where it's like, you know, the the chandeliers go up, and it's like stars at night. 
and uh, just kind of it's 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 exciting, but also uh, terrifying at the same time. Just I oh, I could listen to him talk forever. They, it's great. They do a really good job of like, especially knowing where this episode goes later on, of kind of making the kids be excited for this for multiple reasons, right? And and mm-hmm. like so, for instance, like setting up the deli in the opening. I'm like, oh, are the kids are just excited to see the deli? But then also like Doctor Fugue really kind of sells them on the experience of performing in in this kind of historic theater. And so like you kind of have a motivation for every character to. To, you know, knowing what ends up happening, be disappointed for a different reason, right? So Buster probably doesn't care too much about the choir either way, but he's disappointed he doesn't get to have his food. And then all the other characters that have kind of been wrapped up in Dr. Fugue's kind of uh, 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 fantasy of, of performing in front of this crowd are in also... His, in his fugue state. Oh my goodness. <laughs> way. Please continue. Oh no, that, that was it. I, yeah, no, no, no problem. I was like screeching to a halt. No, no, it's fine. I also really appreciate how layered Dr. Fugue comes across. Because in the episode before, he's like, he's a bit one note. It's like, he's very strict and he's He's really kooky. mean in that episode, yeah. Yeah, he's very strict and he's very kooky. But in this one, he, you know, there's a point where he like stops them and just like, you know, it's important that you have fun while you're singing or else. And that's when he tells him the story about when he was in the choir. So it's not that he just wants him to be the best. He just wants him to perform well, but them to also have fun with what they're doing. And it really makes him come across as a more fleshed out character and makes me like him even more. So we never really get um, like Binky later confesses to Dr. Fugue that he wasn't singing. And Dr. Fugue, of course, has the oldest trick in the book. So he knew all along. And that's kind of the end of where that Binky subplot goes. And we kind of, it all runs together into the main plot line, which is they're on their way by bus to capital, capital city, crown city. And then they're stopped by a roadblock and they're not going to be able to make it to the concert. So they go into a local diner. Yeah, it's, 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 it's snowing them in, which is funny. Both of these episodes are kind of about like snowstorms in a way. Yeah. Uh, we have a snowstorm coming this week and I'm like, man, I wonder if my childhood treehouse is going to fall down in my parents' backyard or Wait, if, pro- if I'm going to be diverted on my way into work. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to go into work, too. Great. Um, yeah, so Dr. Fugue, uh, you know, everybody's down in the dumps. We also get, like, a, a married couple who just so happens was going to go to the concert in Crown City. Yeah, and now- uh, uh, so, so this is our throwaway character of the week is old guy okay. who doesn't get out much. Uh, <laughs> because he's they're all dressed up. Him and his wife are there. I forget what his wife's name but he's like just kind of I forget who he's even talking to exclaiming this but he's like looks like we're not going to make it to the show shame we don't get out much uh so of course Dr. Fugue looks disappointed at first as everybody is disappointed but then he gathers them all together at the end of the diner and says they're going to perform anyway it doesn't matter if they're in uh, Bartleby Hall or if they're right here they're, go- they're not going to let all that training go to waste. So they sing their song together, and it delights everybody, and it's, you know, kind of makes everybody very happy. And they even get some free pie as a result from the uh, from the diner chef who used to be a top chef in Paris. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, five stars and all that, the, wait- the-, the waitress says. And so Buster uh, gets his food. He does get his... Uh, his um gr- his great food and Francine comes up to uh, uh Doctor Fugue 
near the end of the episode and says, I realize now that I really like to sing, but I have a lot more to learn. And it's kind of like a nice teaching moment uh, for Dr. Fugue. And that's kind of how the episode ends as they go back, as they bust back to Elwood City and are singing their song again. Feel good ending. So let's take it back here uh, from the ending, back to the beginning of the episode. Lucas, what did you think of... Uh, Castles in the Sky? You got it. Uh, I, uh... I really liked Castles in the Sky. Uh, right. I, I thought, like, sure, it's not a it's not a very substantive episode. It's one of those kind of um, Arthur's done this time and time again with an ensemble episode where basically there's like a problem, and then every kid has their own idea to tackle it, and then they all come together and kind of like like we had that one with the the TV shows. We've had that one with their remember when they had to come up with the holiday. Like we've kind mm. of seen them do this again and again. But I think this formula kind of works for Arthur. The reason is because its characters are so strong. Like it's it's a fun. I see why the writers always go back to this because it's a fun thought exercise to be like, okay, well, what would Fred Seed do? Okay, what would Buster do? You know what I mean? There's there's a million episodes you could make of just coming up with, okay, there's a problem. How would each kid solve it? And I also kind of thought it was novel. Just like again, I, I I like all the architecture stuff. Like I like learning about this real life famous guy and his weird binocular building. Um, like I said, not the most sub- substantive episode in the world, but it felt really short. Like, I feel like it's over in a second anyway. Like, every kid kind of goes off, tries their own thing. There's a couple jokes. Uh, and then they all work together, la-di-da. So I, I think a, a pretty, you know, pretty good episode. I liked it fine. I didn't love it. Uh, I think that it was, a, like I said, like a slam-bang way to get back into Arthur is like, hey, welcome back. The treehouse is gone. Uh, yeah, it's like, it really is the, like, this is the ninth season. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, like, if this was, it's yeah, like a, yeah. It feels in, big. It, it feel- Tune in this Sunday. What happened to the treehouse on Arthur? Yeah, it feels like it feels important. It feels like earth shattering. And of course, they get it back by the end, which is all well and good. Um, a very interesting uh, uh, guest spot from Frank Gehry. I think, again, they're kind of going off the beaten path for some of these guest roles. And I always really appreciate that. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that it was it was fun to kind of see everybody's idea of what they would want in a treehouse. It just wasn't like, there wasn't much of a story to follow. It's like, oh no, the treehouse is gone. Okay, we built it back up again. And it's like, that's, to- which is totally fine. Like, it's just not the most substantive substantive episode of Arthur that we've ever watched. All that said though, it was still pretty fun. And I really enjoyed um, kind of the ideas that they had and just kind of getting back into Arthur again. This was a fun way to do it. So pretty good, not great, but still uh, fun all the same. Tipping the scales, I liked a bit better, and uh, of course, by no small stretch of the imagination because of Dr. Fugue. I love Dr. Fugue, and the opportunity to kind of make him more of a lived-in character, to kind of make him less than a one-note kind of uh, antagonist for Arthur to overcome, uh, made it even better. Um, I really liked the idea of the kids kind of going to like having to get ready for this concert. Now it did, like you said, Lucas kind of lend itself to like montages and stuff like that. It kind of didn't have as much of a structure as a normal episode, but it did feel like there was a real progression. And I, and I appreciated when they got to the end and they like, Oh great. They enjoyed themselves and uh, everybody, it was like, just a really positive episode all around. So a really good one to watch. If you're in a bad mood, It, it, it gave me a, gave me a very good feeling. And then this, both of these episodes, Left me very, very hungry. 
But uh, yeah, great stuff. I, 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 also, I really enjoyed. It. I also really, I also really liked uh, tipping the scales. Very substantive episode. Like, there's a lot of kind of moving parts in it, right? Like, um, yeah, uh, in a way that there isn't in the first one, right? The first one's just kind of your generic ensemble. Like, everybody has an idea. We follow up on that happily ever after. Uh, tipping the scales, kind of, it doesn't really go the way you think it is at first. Uh, uh, I, I'm not quite like I thought it was all about them trying to get to this like diner and then it ends up being about you know I, I thought it was going to be about Francine anxious about not getting the solo and then I thought it was going to be about uh, Binky kind of being didn't not wanting to perform in front of Dr. Fugue and, or, or Dr. Fugue being really mean when he first reappeared and it's not really about any of those things it's just kind of this like little adventure where the kids uh, mm-hmm. don't end up going to the place that they're excited for but they end up performing all the same and and still appreciate the experience regardless and so i and i I love this type of ending right where it's it's not quite what you want but the kids have learned a lesson anyway i think that's a great i think it is a really as sincere and as straight as they play it i think it really really works of them getting kind of snowed in they're in this diner um yeah it's a fun episode i i I think both of these episodes combined are are a nice breath of fresh air after the so so season eight we had season nine already off to a good start Agreed. This was a really great way to get back in the swing of things with Arthur, and happy to be back at it in the in the new year uh, with Elwood City Limits. So thanks for joining us, everybody, and uh, we've got even more. We've got all the rest of season nine to go, so uh, we've got that to look forward to, and more announcements for the future of the show. Don't worry, it's it's nothing nothing bad. We're not going anywhere, but we're going to be doing some new things and some life changes are going to be happening. So I'm really excited to tell you all about that. And you know who hears about it first is our patrons. So please consider donating to us. Let me just say um, to our patrons, uh, your donation every month means a lot and it helps keep the lights on over here because uh, in uh, when when times get tough, it can be hard to be like, oh man, I spent how much money on you know hosting this podcast a month? But then it's like, oh, our patrons got us. Yeah. So it's all, it's all good. Uh, and happy to continue doing it, of course, with you, Lucas. It's been—it it was weird. I felt like I didn't hear from you for an especially long time. So uh, it was really good to be uh, getting uh, getting back to uh, uh, shooting the you know what with you. Yeah, absolutely, Will. We're back in it. Just a couple of kings with that 2020 king mentality. Let's go. Do I dare ask if I make the the list of kings? Listen, Will. You know you're above the list of kings. You're you're a you're a you're an emperor, my man. You're what a you're the shogun. What a what a sweet lie. <laughs> All right, coming up coming up on the next episode of Elwood City Limits, we're talking about tops. It's it's very this episode is very top heavy because we're talking about Francine's big top trouble and George blows his top. Okay. All righty. Like very 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 top heavy. Uh, thanks again, everybody, for listening. Thanks a lot for joining us here in the new year, and we'll be back at you before you know it. Keep an eye on that Patreon, and we'll be letting you know about it before too long as well. My name's Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini... That only leaves one option. We hang out at Muffy's. Bye for now. We'll see you next time oh. on Elwood City Limits. That's... Oh, man. <laughs> Wait, where, where is it? One last... Oh, gosh. I really should have this at the ready. Heck yeah. Bye, everybody. 2020. Bye. Do a little fade out.